almost worse than a missed opportunity is the wrong opportunity. Like if you have a prospect that goes through the buying cycle and comes away with the wrong impression of your company because your messaging is off or because your objection handling was off, if you're lucky, you get another time at bat with that prospect in a year. Like you got to get it right at the bottom before you can start like scaling like crazy at the top. Welcome back to the Honest Marketing Podcast, where you learn proven strategies to grow your business without selling your soul. I'm your host, Travis Albritton, and in today's podcast episode, just got a phenomenal conversation with Amy Winter, who's the co-founder of Wheels Up, an agency that works with uh, tech startups that are in high growth mode. And some of the things that we talk about that I think are really pertinent for regardless of whether you are in your business uh, journey is the importance of bringing humanity and personality into how you position your business, not being so uptight, but really leaning into the relatability factor of what you do and who you are and connecting with people at a human level. We talked a little bit about why they have dogs and a lot of their social media content. And uh, I think it's just some really good principles for all of us to take from. But then we also talk about the, the nuts and bolts of things that are working for them and their clients that are in high growth modes where they are trying to get profitable as quickly as possible. You know, because it's true, you could do just about any kind of marketing effort and it will more or less give you some results. But some strategies are better at different points in time than others. So we talk a little bit about that, but just overall, a really great interview. There's links in the show notes to all the things that we discuss and mention as far as resources and handouts and things like that. Make sure you stick around to the very end of the episode. I'm gonna give you my number one practical takeaway from my conversation with Amy, but here it is. Let's dive in. So Amy, thank you so much for joining me on the Honest Marketing Podcast. I'd love to just start with your background in marketing and business growth. And if there are any stories or anecdotes from your professional developments into what you're doing now that really stand out as seminal moments in shaping you into who you are and what your superpowers are. Yes. Thanks for having me. Um, it, it's funny when I look back on my career, um, every, the theme that kept bubbling up was change. I always ended up in these places during like crazy times of change, whether it was a brand new company that was establishing itself and, you know, inventing a new category or pivoting or um, the housing bubble of 2008 or, you know, the great recession that followed. I was working at a real estate marketing company in 2009 when the world kind of imploded and talk about having to figure out how to regroup and, and, and keep moving in that kind of, in that kind of uh, environmental um, environment, uh, economic environment, you know, is, uh, challenging. And then I found my way into startups and that is always a changing, you know, moving target. So this being able to figure out what the right marketing strategy is right now during this time of change and, and knowing when to use, I talk a lot about like low beams and high beams, you know, when do you think about your low beams and the things that are right in front of you? And when do you think about your high beams and when can you plan for six months or a year or five years or 10 years down the road? Um, that's been sort of my reoccurring sweet spot in marketing, um, which parlayed itself fabulously into wheels up because we started this company during the pandemic. You know, it was, um, I had, moved across country, um, ended up in a job that wasn't a great fit and, you know, left there and was talking to my co-founder, um, who also had been in a company that was not a great fit culturally. And, you know, we were like, Hey, let's start an agency during, a, you know, the pandemic. And, uh, it was sort of our pandemic project instead of sourdough starter, I guess, and, uh, got, got our favorite people back together and, 
you know, was able to create this agency that that's what we do is we, we work with early stage and high growth companies, mostly uh, B2B SaaS or tech companies. And, and we help them figure out like, how do you grow right now? How do you think about the environment right now and, and build marketing strategies that are effective for, for the climate that we're in? So. Okay. Yeah. Cause I was going to ask you, uh, you know, whenever you start a new company or a new business, there's usually like a, like a scratched an itch to scratch or something that's driving that particular thing. So was it really a combination of your previous experience and seeing, you know, needs in the market? Was it, you know, people reaching out and saying, Hey, like we've heard you do X, Y, and Z. Can you help us? And, Oh, we'll start an agency by accident. Um, like how did you specifically think about the way you would position your agency to be different or unique or to stand out to your ideal clients when, you know, everyone and their brother has a marketing agency, it seems nowadays. So, so what was that thought process like to really be intentional with the positioning of your new company? Yeah. So, I mean, I lived it firsthand, you know, I had been the first marketer at four or five startups in a row. Um, you know, everybody's got a side gig. And even when I was working full time, I was doing some consulting on the so- side and writing messaging and positioning and initial uh, sales strategies for early stage startups. And like, you know, it, it's a need right now. And it's very different than enterprise marketing. Even um, even the best enterprise marketers, there are nuances to that early, early stage where, you know, I hate the analogy, you know, building the plane while you're flying it, but you really are building the plane while you're flying it. You know, you it, it's such a, you know, n- no entrepreneur starts a company, a tech company, because they want to be a marketer <laughs> or they want to send email. They start this company <laughs> because they've got this amazing um, idea, this this amazing technology that they either invented intentionally or by accident. And, you know, it, you really need to figure out um, how to um, craft marketing around that. And so, you know, we knew, uh, my business partner and I knew, cause we had lived it, that there was this, there was this gap in the market, at least, you know, we'd worked with dozens of agencies collectively and no one was able to come in and think about it in such a short term, iterative, agile, cross-functional way. Like one of the things that we talk about with our clients is you have to, marketing needs to move from the red to the black as quickly as possible. And the best, one of the best ways to do that is to build these cross-functional relationships and build this cross-functional equity within the company where you are driving customer research, you are owning the customer um, life cycle, you are helping build that, su- that sales pipeline and sales forecasting. You are the best friend a rev ops there could possibly be, you know, and really thinking about marketing is more than just um, traditional marketing things and traditional, mar- you know, vanity metrics and, and really being the most strategic arm of the company. And so, you know, we just really saw that there was a gap for that. And um, we both, <laughs> after working for, you know, in startups for so long, you know, the enterprise marketing just kind of like moved so slowly that it made us both crazy. So <laughs> we were like, we need to start an agency where we can move fast and, uh, you know, help help these companies that need to do it fast. And, and you know, another, uh, you know, um, saying in startups that I hate, you know, the failing fast, but you really do. You have to fail fast. So yeah. Enterprise level clients are are totally different beasts. Uh, you know, I have, I have several and it's like, wait, how many layers of red tape to make a very simple decision? And then it just all gets gunked up because one person who has no context, but wants to weigh in with their opinion, like drags things and delays things for multiple months. It's like, why, why, why are we doing this to ourselves? Death by a thousand cuts. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so totally. uh, a couple, I want to ask a couple more questions about wheels up and then we'll get to some s- strategy. So starting in the pandemic was certainly a unique environment to be starting a company in, uh, though, obviously being an online kind of remote company helps. What have been the strategies that have helped you with client acquisition? Uh, is it tapping into previous connections and just old fashioned networking? Like, Hey, introduce me to your buddy who could be a good fit. Is it content? Is it paid growth? Like what are the things that you're really focused on to, to help with your own deal flow and your own client acquisition? Yeah. In the beginning, you know, you, you talk a lot about your ideal customer profile and like it, we knew what the customer profile was. And I think we had that right, right out of the gates, but what we didn't have right out of the gates was the ideal, um, project or the ideal engagement, you know, in that first year, year, like, God bless our first year, our first cohort of customer of clients, because, you know, we didn't have our technology figured out. We didn't have, you know, our, our pay structure figured out. You know, we, we really, there was a lot we figured out in that first year, just from nuts and bolts for like, how do you run a distributed agency? How do you, um, engage with clients in a way that's enough communications, but not too much communications. How do you pick deals or projects and, and engagements that fit the people who you have and the technology that you have and the interest that, you know, the, the sweet spot for what you're good at. So, you know, that first year was a lot of, of honing in on that. Um, now, you know, we're lucky. Uh, we've got a, a great team of people with really good connections. So the vast majority of our clients come in through, through first or second degree contacts that we have. Um, we do a tiny bit of paid, um, it hasn't been particularly fruitful for deals. I think it's the long game for us. It's branding. It's it's building our, our newsletter or our contactable database. Um, we uh, it's funny. All of the content, all the lead magnet lead, lead magnet downloads that we have are are just packaging our own processes. So you know, like I uh, pretty quickly out of the gates wrote a um, how to content marketing ebook, um, and it is very prescriptive. It has templates in it. It is, I mean, if you need, it is content marketing for dummies. And if you need um, a structure and uh, you know that step by step how to, like, it is phenomenal. It's our process. It's how we do it. And so it was kind of it's it's been kind of easy to create some of these I think high value down loads because it's just packaging the knowledge that we have. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, why are you giving it away for free? You know, it, it, you know, how many personal trainers are there at gyms? A lot. And there's an awful lot of, you know, workout plans online. So, you know, people, people want somebody to hold your hand. Some people want you to hold their hand. And so um, we're happy to give away that, um, that intellectual property um, and our, our processes for what worked because um, there are, plenty of people who still need us to help them, you know, one-on-one. Um, and if it helps other marketers, then great. Well, and anytime you can demonstrate your expertise in a way that meets the client in their sales journey, where they're at, then all it does is build confidence that you're the right fit to partner with, right? That if they Hopefully, see your process, yeah. they understand the process and also realize I can't do this myself. Let me talk to the people that actually do this professionally and maybe they can do it for me. Um, yeah. I've definitely seen that to be true that the, the companies that tend to serve or give the most are the ones that get the most business because they instill that kind of confidence that, you know, we give this information away for free because we know it works. And once you realize how much it works, you're going to want to work with us even more because we're going to help execute that strategy at a level that you couldn't on your own. And that's really yeah. where the value is, especially with a service-based industry agency or industry is 
you want us to do the work for you. That's why you pay us. It's not right. productized right. in a way that, um, you know, is easily replicable. It's like, if you want the people behind it to make the wheels run, then that's, that's why you work with an agency. You know, there are two things that I think an agency can bring to the table too. You know, I think that that outside set of eyes, a lot of times is helpful with that, um, fresh perspective. And so a lot of times, uh, when you're working in house, you're so close to it that, that, uh, you know, uh, an ex an extra set of ears that hasn't heard it a lot, you know, outside of that echo chamber, maybe picks up on something a little differently, um, that I think can be really helpful. Um, and then also we, we really harp hard, hardly hard on, um, tying things together, <laughs> reusing things and tying them together. And so I think a lot of ways we can come in and, um, you know, let's do this project once, but figure out eight other ways that we can reuse it or re-leverage it. So um, I think that's, you know, uh, extra value that we tend to bring to the table that's outside of maybe just reading the ebook and doing it yourself. So. so I do have a personal question, Amy, before we get into tactics and strategies. You guys use a lot of dogs in your social media we presence. Do. And, uh, and even on your, like <laughs> our team, talk to me a little about that, about not being so, uh, professional in the sense of like the, the classic, Uptight. like LinkedIn profile, like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. we are professionals, we do everything professionally, but really letting the, the character and just the fun come through. Talk, talk to me about that. Cause that's definitely not like an accidental thing. You choose to put no, pictures no. of dogs on your company's Twitter account. Yeah. Yeah. So we, um, you know, like the age old, you do business with people who you like, you know, that it's so true. And we, um, when we started wheels up in the middle of the pandemic, my business partner, Elise was actually living in a, a travel trailer, like a camper touring the country with her husband. And, you know, I have very, um, time consuming hobby of, I ride horses and like, you know, light work life balance is very, very important to us. And that's part of the reason why we've got this distributed by design team. You know, we, we believe that people who have great work life balance are better at their jobs. If you're happier during your day, you're better at your job. And so, um, you know, we work hard and we play hard and, you know, dogs are just a theme on our team that everybody's got a dog and, you know, we're, um, out playing with them and they're, they're bopping up in the middle of calls. And so, um, you know, I, I, I don't know that it was intentional out of the gates that we would have this dog centric marketing. We even have a little drip campaign that goes out to prospects that we're in conversations with that is from, uh, Libby, our chief marketing officer. Um, and it's a fun little drip campaign that, um, you know, hopefully shows a little bit of our personality, but we also work hard to tie it back to our core tenants and, and the things that make us who we are. And, you know, I truly believe that engagements are not just successful when it's the right work, but when it's with the right people. And so, um, that is a little branding on our, on our side for what it's like to work with us because you get the dogs too. So, and plus we've got this woman who does our social <laughs> media, who is so punny and so clever. Like, I don't even know where she comes up with it. It is just super cute. So we have given her free reign to, um, you know, geek out with the dogs. So it's been fun. Feature the dogs as much as is reasonably mm -hmm. possible for sure. So let's talk about business growth strategies.
And so, you know, you, you and your agency, you're focused on basically startups that are in high growth mode. They're trying to get from, you know, red to black, as you mentioned. And there's going to be a difference between marketing advice that you give to an established business that has recurring revenue or, you know, has an existing baseline that they're building from versus a company that's really trying to find its footing. You know, you mentioned that, you know, the first year that you were in business, you were still finding out a lot of things of how you wanted to operate and position yourself and package your services. I know for me and, and my agency, it was very similar. It's like, I thought it was going to be one thing. And then over the course of like six, eight, 12 months, it morphed into something else. And it's like, now it's great, but there was that transitional process. So walk me through, what are the things that you look for in a new business or a business that maybe is pre-revenue or early in the revenue that you say, okay, these are the things we want to start with out the gates that are the most likely to turn a profit quickly. Because everyone wants to know, like, if there's mm -hmm. a marketing strategy that's going to have an immediate ROI, yeah. I want to start with that one because then that can fund the more long-term brand lift kind of strategies. Yeah. So I use this analogy all the time. I talk about the high beams and the low beams. You have to have like your car high beams where you can see further away and then the low beams where you can just kind of see what's right in front of you. And, you know, um, one of the things that, um, you know, the high beam things that we do like to get started right away, no matter what company it is, and we like to put a little bit of resources to it, is your SEO. You know, we say this is your 401k. Um, you need to think about your SEO, number one, and you need to think about your contactable database. There are a lot of investors out there who want to know in, you know, usually a series A round, What's your contactable database is? How many people do you have opted in? Because those are the eyeballs that you you own. You own the ability to reach out to them and talk to them. So we're always kind of thinking about every marketing thing that we do, how can it feed those two things um, in the long run? You know, it's not something that we talk about every single week, but it it's you know, the immediate things that we're doing. Oh, and how can they also feed SEO? And how can they also feed our contactable database? The low beam stuff that we're, we're thinking about, um, I like to start at the bottom of the funnel when I am evaluating marketing opportunities, because I think that for the most, usually, generally speaking, it's useless to dump money at the top of the funnel if the bottom of the funnel is broken. And, you know, you can back up a lot of demand that is wasted if, if the bottom of the funnel is not optimized and is not moving smoothly. And especially in an early stage company, that's frequently your sellers. So how can we enable those sellers quickly? And how can we get them the tools and the campaigns that they need to be able to close deals? And also, it's a great place for us to start because it's a learning opportunity. We can test mark, we can test messaging, you know, the BDRs and your SDRs, like, they, they can test new messaging every day, and you can get feedback, you know, like there is no better marketing uh, testing tool than your SDR team when you're trying to get instant feedback. So we work closely with, you know, usually in an early stage company, there's maybe one SDR or one inside salesperson. So we kind of like to tie ourselves to the hip with them and figure out how can we run these micro campaigns to figure out what is, what's sticking, what's working and what's not sticking. And then you can scale from there. Um, especially in an early stage company, they don't know what they're selling, you know, and you know, the, the sellers are frequently like, well, Wild West, you know, they like do a lot of like shooting first and aiming second and selling stuff that maybe isn't even a product at the time. And so, you know, like there's so much to learn from those early, early sales cycles. And so um, 
we like to really think about marketing as a partner to them and how can we figure out what they're doing that's working and scale it. Um, This also works really well in my methodology that marketing and sales has to be tied at the hip, especially in a B2B technology industry, you know, in technology companies, like, um, I I don't know a ton about other industries, but for like, we've got to be tied at the hip. We've got to share data. Our funnels have to be integrated. Our KPIs have to be integrated. We have to be able to help with sales forecasting. And, you know, I think that the earlier you can establish that in a company's maturity, the better, because it's so hard to change culture. It's easy. It's not easy to build culture, but it's way easier to build culture than it is to change culture. And so, you know, starting at the bottom of the funnel, Um, and really aligning with sales, I think is going to prove value for the marketing team much faster than, um, some of the more traditional, maybe marketing tactics. You know, I think that there are plenty of ways to throw a little money here and there at, um, digital campaigns or, um, you know, ad buys and stuff like that, that, you know, can get the wheel moving too, um, but, you know, I think that um, for us, it's worked better if we just kind of go mano a mano with the sales organization. So That makes sense to me because, you know, really when push comes to, to shove, the KPI that matters about marketing and sales is did you get new clients? Did you get new customers? Right. That at the end of the day is what makes or breaks it. And, you know, I think it, it's it makes sense to start at that sales conversion level because that's where you want to optimize first because like you said it doesn't you can throw a bunch of money into it but if the conversion process if the funnel isn't set up to support those things or if they're disconnected and that you're getting good initial results from a top of funnel marketing campaign like oh we're getting really cheap leads we must have figured something out but then there's a disconnect later on in the sales cycle then it doesn't matter that you have these cheap leads because you're not setting yourself up for success for the thing that ultimately matters, which is getting more revenue and growing your business. So that makes a lot of sense to me. And now that you put it that way, I don't know why more companies don't do it. It seems pretty intuitive, but also not something that I hear a lot. Yeah, I think too, um, you know, we worse than almost worse than a missed opportunity is the wrong opportunity. Like if you have a prospect that goes through the set, the buying cycle and comes away with the wrong impression of your company because your messaging is off or because your objection handling was off or because your salesperson isn't able to um, sell the highest value. Like you, if you're lucky, you get another time at bat with that prospect in a year and they're going to go and they're going to tell their peers and they're going to, so, you know, we, we just really feel like you got to get it right, um, at the bottom before you can start like scaling like crazy at the top. Yeah. So then you talked about SEO, building your distribution list, your email list would be another way that people talk about it, uh, as like the core pillars of an audience that you, you own the connection with them, right? That, if, if they have opted in, they're on your distribution list, search engine optimization, that's like the foundational underpinning of a business that does business online. And then you talked about once you get through that sales process, looking at the whole funnel, I'm curious specifically with SaaS companies or B2B SaaS companies, is that really trying to amplify or complement an outside sales process or um, prospecting? Is it 
how do we accelerate the networking effect of like LinkedIn? Is it how do we how do you utilize paid ads or organic growth or content to help with that? Where you know if you're working with B two B, the clients are bigger, so you don't have to close as many. So it's a much more personable touch. It's not like you know download my ebook and then five minutes later you're I'm shipping you a T-shirt. It's a little bit of a longer sales cycle. So how do you think about that whole process playing out for uh, for the companies that you work with, and then by extension, any company who's doing business with other businesses? Yeah, yeah. So I mean, content is king with us. That you know that saying's been around for a long time, and, and it is it rings true in our industry. Um, you know, you and I were talking about this before the podcast started about you know content and and um, showing your value with that, um, and really being able to. Um, show your work, you know, instead of just telling somebody you're great at it. Um, so we do a lot of content development that um, spans, you know, thought leadership, um, peer validation, you know, downloads, um, and then the bite-sized pieces like your social or your or your blog, your blog content. Um, and you know, we like to go through a pretty robust. Um, content planning, editorial planning um, exercise where we've got an audit. We align it with the buyer journey. We align it to the questions that they're asking. We align the, the, the format of the, co- of the content to where they are in the buyer's journey and really make sure that you're not blasting somebody who doesn't know anything about you with a huge, long white paper that they're not going to read. You know, um, So really thinking about how do you align content with that buyer journey and proactively nurture them with the the information that the, the the answers to the questions that they don't even know they're asking but they're right that are kind of on the tip of their tongue and you know we really think about content is how do we proactively answer all the uh, all the questions that a buyer has and handle all those objections so that our goal is by the time they actually talk to a person in sales they're like take my money like we're done just just you know dot the i's and cross the t's let's do the red line and get it done so um, you know, we really rely on content. And then, you know, um, we think about content as a pillar. Our, our, our uh, library of content is the foundation of marketing. And then we think about megaphones. What are all the different megaphones that we have to blast this content out? Um, and that's your social and your, you know, whether it's, you know, one-to-one LinkedIn um, campaigns or whether it's Apollo blasting out, you know, cold emails, whether it's social media, um, paid ads, um, you know, it, there, there's, and those are really dependent on the company. It's dependent on the competitive landscape. It's competitive on how expensive the ads are. You know, the keywords are how how readily available is a lookalike audience. You know, so it's, we don't have a one size fits all um, amplification strategy for our content. But um, those are the two pieces. Like, what's the content that we're trying to write that aligns the buyer journey, and then how do we get it out? Um, I wish it was easy. I wish it was like, you know, a formula for like, here's our amplification, our one size fits all amplification, you know, campaign strategy. Um, but it's really personalized for each company. Well, and, and I've seen the more, you know, I've been in marketing for, you know, longer, longer than most. Uh, I think you've got me beat though, for sure. Uh, oh, great. And Thanks. I've definitely noticed yeah, that the people, older. The, the, well, no. <laughs> but uh, the people that I've paid more attention to, are the ones that give the nuanced answers of not like, this is the silver bullet. This is like, yeah. if you just do this, everything's TikTok ads. You just start doing TikTok ads. Everything explodes. It's amazing. And it's like, well, sometimes, but not all the time. Right. Uh, and so I think that's so key is 
having that filter of what's going to work for me in my context, where's that underpriced attention? Maybe it is LinkedIn. Maybe it is Facebook. Maybe it is, you know, podcast guest appearances or video or webinars or things like that. And really identifying like what, where is the best opportunity within the landscape that you're operating in? You know, it's like the classic example is, you know, people say, oh, well, if you're in an intent to buy market, then just do Google ads because they're typing stuff in. You'll be at the top. They'll buy your stuff. It's like, well, yeah, unless you're a credit card review website and you got to spend like 120 bucks to get that click because all these other credit card companies are more than willing to pay that to get a customer for life. Right. And so it's not always so easy as here's the boilerplate answer. Run with it. But it's, it's identifying those unique opportunities to zig where everyone else is zagging and uh, and really have those kind of outsized results, especially early on when you're testing things and trying things and you have the ability to be a little bit more flexible and try things that may be a little bit more innovative than your entrenched competitors. Yeah. And we actually have, um, I'd be happy to share the template with you if you want to put it in the show notes or share it with your people. But like, we have a template for like the buyer journey. Here are the, you know, stage one, pre-awareness. Here are the questions your buyer, your, your prospects are asking. Here is the content that we have that answers these questions. Here is the format that the content is in. Here are the distribution channels that are appropriate because of price, because of audience size, because of you know complexity of messaging, com- uh, because of competitive landscape. You know that, and you fill it. You know, okay, well maybe pre funnel we're using you know Facebook ads for awareness. You know, and then because they're cheap, and because you know our message works great in a visual, you know, quick five second video, you know, and then in this next stage, you know, it, it, um, you're right. I would love for there to be a silver bullet, but there's not, but I, and I think if you can break down your campaigns, um, by that stage, it makes it, um, easier to think about like, um, Google AdWords might be great now, but it's not in a month when the, when the prospect knows more or, you know, and, and you kind of have to do a little bit of everything. Right. And that's why it's so important when you're writing content, which is a super expensive part of the process to think about how can I repackage this? How can I write this one piece once and then fit it into these multiple stages and these multiple uh, amplification formats? Otherwise you're just going to be wasting your time writing content all the time. Definitely. Definitely. Now, one thing that I definitely want to hit on before we wrap up is uh, team actually building out a team to support fulfillment and actually like delivering on the promises that you make. Cause you know, I think like you mentioned earlier, like the sales team, sometimes they, they, they sell things that either you, you haven't created, don't want to create, but it's like, well, it's cash in our bank account. So I guess we're going to do this now. Out. I guess this is, yeah. the, this yeah. is what we're going to do now. Right. Um, but you know, one of the things that often gets missed in growth and how do we grow the company and, and get more clients and things like that is, well, then you actually have to service those clients afterwards, right? And so much of that is, especially if you are an entrepreneur that's getting started, you know, you want to spend as much of your attention on growing the business as making it profitable and sustainable that you want to have trusted people that can handle account management, that can handle the deliverables, that can really support the clients at a level that goes above and beyond even their expectations to start to ignite some of the word of mouth and network connections, especially in a B2B space where so much of it is built on trust. So talk to me about how you have developed your own team over the last several years since you started Wheels Up and some of the things that, that you do that might be uh, counterintuitive or, or not normal for the way that people and entrepreneurs typically think about 
uh, incubating talent? Yeah, I um, my soapbox issue is that um, if you're going to be a manager, your job is to develop talent. It is not to just get paid more and have your manager title. It is to develop talent and to take the responsibility of taking someone on who needs help and who needs mentoring and who needs development. And, you know, like we forget that as managers, we affect how much time people have to spend with their families. If they can afford a mortgage, if they can go on that vacation, like, I mean, I don't mean to sound, you know, hyperbolic about this, but like, you know, like your manager really dictates a lot of your mental health, a lot of your career trajectory. And I I just think that so many people are on this quest for a manager title or a director title or a VP title or whatever, without realizing that there comes great responsibility for the people who are on your team. And so, um, I, uh, I just really like to challenge people to remember that and to, you know, think about at least 50% of your time should be developing your junior talent. And um, that trickles down into who I hire because, you know, I want the, the all around athlete who has the right cultural fit, the right intellectual horsepower, the right curiosity. Like I can teach somebody anything. I can teach somebody how to run AdWord campaigns. I can teach somebody about campaign. Like that's easy. That's the easy part. I can't teach somebody how to raise their hand when they think something's going wrong and they need to be the whistleblower. I can't teach somebody how to have the courage to speak up or to be curious to go try it a different way or learn a, you know, a new skill. Or And so my two favorite hires I've ever made in my entire career, um, one of them I hired to be a um, customer engagement. She was a customer marketing uh, specialist. She had never had a marketing job. She was fresh out of college and I hired her because she was a friend's nanny. She had nannied these two twins, the two twins, these twins um, that were uh, from, from birth to five years old while she was in college. And I mean, I'm telling you, if she could keep those balls in the air, if she could keep those plates spinning, I was like, this is going to be a snap. And, you know, she was so good at people skills because she had managed this family. You know, and so, um, and then my second favorite hire, I hired him to be an events manager. He had never been to an event. You know, he had literally never been to a trade show and was today the best events manager I've ever worked with because he had been in um, community health advocacy. And again, it comes back to like, how do you talk to somebody who you don't know? How do you get them to open up to you? How do you build that instant rapport? How do you become, how do you, um, project that instant likability? You know, he was, he, and just the most detail oriented person I've ever met. So, you know, I think that you, I, I would challenge hiring managers to maybe look away from the resume, which I know is hard. You know, everybody's got a huge stack of resumes. It's hard to sort through them, but figuring out how you can get to those um, psychographic uh, uh, characteristics of people and, and, and take a chance on somebody who you know is going to be a good culture fit that maybe doesn't have skills and make sure they have a manager in place who's actually going to develop them. Yeah, because that's the second piece, right? It's you, you put the right people in the right seats, but then how do you set them up for success by continuing to invest in them? How do you uh, figure out the balance yourself of wearing your co-founder hat versus really investing in training up the people that are on your team. How do you think about distributing those responsibilities or even looking at your calendar, your schedule and how you use your time 
How do you think about where those investments need to be made in order to make sure that you are providing fertile ground for them to grow into their roles? Yeah. It's funny because one of like our sticks at Wheels Up is like, we only hire senior marketing talent. We all, Everybody on the team it has at least 15 years of experience. And so, you know, the, the development part is a little different at that point. You know, it's, it's um, making sure that people have work that's fulfilling. You know, my people could go work somewhere else and make way more money. They work at Wheels Up because um, they like the culture. They're looking for that work-life balance. They're looking for the pace. They're looking for the kinds of tricky customers that we have. Like they, they are, um, inspired by early stage startups because it's hard, you know? Um, and so figuring out how we just make sure that our people have, um, work that's fulfilling and that is keeping them engaged. And, you know, so much of it, especially in a distributed workforce, you know, you have to build I believe you have to build those personal relationships. And so setting aside time to make sure that you're building those personal relationships is um, really important. And I will be the first to admit that I thought this was a load of pooey for a long time. Like when I was a young manager, like I thought we had, we had a company where one of our years ago, one of our core values was celebrating success together. And like, I didn't have time to throw a party for the team. Like we had to go, we had to go on to the next thing. And, you know, my first uh, um, skip level review that year, um, you know, I, I got dinged on that core value that I, I was not celebrating success. And I thought, oh, this is because like, they have to tell me I'm doing something wrong, right? Like I have, they have to give me some feedback. And they were like, no, you actually are terrible at celebrating success together. And I was like, I don't have time for that. And they're like, we need to make time for it. And what an amazing piece of advice. What an amazing um, look into myself that that was able to, to provide. Like we're humans. Like we spend a lot of time at our work and you've got to love it. You don't have to love it all the time, but you have to love it the mo- most of the time. And so um, luckily right now for Wheels Up, a lot of that is celebrating together and and um, enjoying spending time together. And and getting excited about our customers' wins because we figured out a hard problem and, and we're doing good work for them. Um, it's fun. It, it's a fun. It's a fun managerial position to be in. So I'm lucky right now. It's not. It's not as hard as it has been in the past. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, over time, it's gotten a little bit more intuitive, and you know, you put some pieces together. Yeah. That's all really great. Uh, where can people go to learn more about? your agency, what you do, uh, discover it's a good fit. And then what's a good next step for people if they just, (laughs) yeah, beyond the dogs, what's a good next step for people uh, if they are interested in in learning more about what you do and potentially if it'd be a good fit for them? Yeah. Well, if you want to see lots of dog pics, uh, go on our Instagram, um, which is uh, at Wheels Up Collective. I mean, we're on all the social media channels. Um, Our website has a resources center that has um, some really good downloads. I'd love to plug one of them, which is super... um, unconventional, but, um, I was at a company years ago with a young, young team. And I realized that their biggest gap was writing skills. You know, like they, they were not good writers and that is gotta be a foundation of every, anything you're, even if you're not in a content role, like you gotta be a good writer. And so I went out on the search on the hunt for college courses or continuing education courses, some kind of writing courses. We couldn't find them anywhere. There was creative writing. There was autobiographical writing. Like there were no business writing for marketers classes out there. So we developed one on my team. I uh, engaged one of my senior content strategists and she and I built this curriculum. It was a year long 
play, um, class that the whole team went to once a month. Um, and, uh, we turned it into an ebook. So it's, it's called magical writing skills, uh, for B2B marketers. And it's a really fun, punny, like quick read, but, um, great, uh, writing tips. And that's on our resources page. Um, and you know, if you want to engage with wheels up for, um, possibly working together, you know, check us out on the website, um, get to know us a little bit. That resources section has a lot of templates on, on how we do things. Um, and you can reach out on the contact page or my email is amy at wheelsupcollective.com. Wonderful. And we'll make sure to link all of that in the show notes for easy clickability. Thank you. Amy, thanks so much for your time and, and sharing all of your expertise with us today. It's been super fun. Thank you. So my number one takeaway from my conversation with Amy was that illustration of the high beams and the low beams. I think really good practical image, mental picture of understanding the balance of thinking long-term and short-term simultaneously. It can be difficult to straddle the, you know, do we go for growth right now, this month, and the next month? Or do we look a year, two years, five years out from now? And what do we need to do to make sure that we're positioning ourselves to succeed in the long term without sacrificing the short term? So the more that you can really identify those long-term strategies that you want to be planting seeds now, search engine optimization, distribution or email list, those things are always going to be really important. You never want to neglect those, even if you're starting from scratch and you're not getting a lot of momentum in the beginning, it's only going to pay dividends in the long run. So I think that was really super practical and something that really helped me a lot. The other thing that I loved uh, was, you know, focusing on sales and that conversation as the starting point for your marketing, uh, you know, because like you heard in the interview, it's like I haven't heard a lot of people explain it in that way of optimize the sales conversation first so that you can reverse engineer the conversations you have in your marketing to pre-position people to buy in that sales conversation. It's like, who knew that you should optimize around sales? Uh, but it's so easy to get infatuated with low cost per lead or get this lead magnet that's working really well, or you have a blog that's getting traffic. And, and then you don't actually start stop to ask yourself like, well, is this actually giving us more customers or not, right? And so really focusing on that sales conversation, I think is super key and uh, something that I'll definitely be doing for myself and my own agency. Now, if you want to learn more about Amy and her agency, if you are currently a, a SaaS tech startup and you're early on in the process of building your company and you want a marketing agency to partner with you where you are and really specialize in where you're at, definitely go and check out Wheels Up. If not, go and check out the free resources that Amy mentioned. I think will really benefit you as well. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Honest Marketing. Hopefully it was helpful. And as always, be honest. 